Oh, Hello. Baby. Hello. This is episode 150. Please mail us at podcast at rumdoings.com or subscribe to our Twitter feed at rumdoings. It's very easy to do and I suggest you make it so. Also, I noticed that there's been a stagnation of our brilliant iTunes review feed lately. So if you haven't done so before, add a review there as well. Yes, we hate iTunes, but it's where the stupid people learn about what podcasts listen to. And we want stupid people to listen to this podcast so we can help them. Good. Nick, you're not to monologue this week. People didn't like the fact that you talked for four million hours without... I know. Well, the primary reason that I did so was it was almost impossible to have a conversation because of the way your Skype worked. Now, we're still on Skype this week, but next week I shall come down to your horrible part of the world. So you keep um, lying about. Yeah. And I will visit you and we can stare at one another in a disconsolate way. You're extremely grumpy today because you haven't had your coffee... I haven't. I'm extremely grumpy because I spent the last 24 hours trying to figure out tax rubbish. You're always having problems with tax. Always. Well, it's because my life just got more complicated. You need to fire your accountant. No, he's he's he's. Uh, despite the fact that um, he's not the world's clearest at explaining things, he's actually doing a good job. No, because the primary job of an accountant is to ensure that you don't have ever to worry about anything to do with tax. That's the job of the accountant. It's a bit like saying he was quite a good pilot, except most of the time I was utterly terrified that we were going to crash and he seemed to be pretty incompetent. But still, we landed and we survived. That wouldn't instill in me confidence that he was a very good pilot. I bet you tidy up before the clean- your cleaner comes round because you're so middle class. I don't, but everybody else in the world does. I will make sure that I am considerate, but that's just because I think it's rude not to be. I mean, if you've got tissues tissues lying on the floor for example i would put them in the bin wouldn't you i don't know i don't have a cleaner so you'll get one soon though i noticed something very interesting things i just tend to put rubbish in the bin as a matter of default yeah i noticed something interesting um yeah you before we started recording you left the room to go and shout at laura um to abuse her as you always do I found the thing I... that can make you louder. You have been so quiet that I remembered that this... Because Laura hoovered up my he- my headphones, so I'm having to use my spare ones. Mm. And um, I found yeah. there's a volume knob on it, so I can actually hear you. Yeah. Talking about yeah. Laura, you, before we started recording, I heard you leave the room and mm. go and shout and abuse her, as you always are oft do. And what I noticed is that you call her by her first name in a vocative way. So you say Laura, comma, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I realise I've never do that to Victoria. I never call her by name in a vocative way, ever. And that's well, probably want, because you, my parents never did. Do you want to know why I called her by her name? Why do you need to use the vocative when she's the only person in the house in particular? Because she was asleep and I was waking her up. No, that's still not good enough. You can just say, <laughs> it is, wake- of course it's good enough. It's a no, perfect no, no. reason. Of course you, you use someone's name when you wake them up. No, you used, the, you used her, her name in a very specific way. You could have just said, wake up, sleepy head. <laughs> but no, I'm sure normally it's normal to go, you know, to go, John, you're asleep, John, wake up. It's perfectly normal. It's funny, I don't do that. No. Yeah, I don't use, take anybody's name in vain like that. I mean, I would use your name, obviously, because John. But what what do you do? I if, wouldn't... What do you do if Victoria's in another room and you need her attention? I'll just call her. I'll say, "Oi, have you made dinner?" <laughs> you or, say, "Oi," you, you call her "Oi." That's what you do. You replace her name with "Oi." 
Well, no, I mean, I wouldn't actually use any vocative is the answer. I would just pass the request and assume that context, i.e. that there's only a baby and one sentient adult in the house would be sufficient <laughs> to know that my communication was getting to the right recipient. So I'd say, have you made my dinner yet? Have you cleaned my shoes yet? Have you washed <laughs> my clothes yet? Have you dusted the lintel yet? <laughs> but the thing the thing is, it's about getting someone's attention. So if Laura's focused on another task and I just say, um, fetch me my slippers or something like that, yes. she'll, uh, she might not realise that... She might think I'm shouting at the television or that uh, someone else has come over who is a slipper-fetching person. So when I use her name, she knows that the instruction is for her to obey immediately. Right. So, in fact, to you, all Laura's name is is the equivalent of a ding-dong in a train That's right, station. yes. It's essentially uh, like I'm, I'm pulling uh, my, my bell chain. It's going... Ba-da-da-da! <laughs> this is N- SNCF, the next train to... is that kind of thing. please come to the lounge where John requires your immediate service. Thank you. So... So basically, the name Laura. Uh, it also works. Like, Laura. <laughs> yeah, that's how it it's, it's got the right syllables and cadence. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. So basically, you you, you use her name as a, a summoning beacon, <laughs> and, then, uh, and as an, an attention getter. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. Uh, Where I, she uh, uses my name as an expression of fury and despair. Well, what else would it be used at? Exactly. Charm! What have you done now? What was the thing that you last did that pissed her off? Um, I constantly piss her off. I have so many to mention. No, no, but there must be something... Oh, yes, that really annoyed her. Well, last night I was getting stressed about tax and she was trying to say it would be okay and I was saying, shut up, it's not going to be okay. It's going to be a pain in the ass all my life. She is correct and you're wrong. I don't care. I was in a bad mood. And what was Victoria was last crossed about? I put some plates in or something in the sink. That's not allowed. Yes, it's, uh, but apparently you also put your litter in the sink. Well, you know, <laughs> it's not my fault that we don't have a garbage disposal in the sink, is it? That's a good point. It's not your fault. It's the <laughs> fault of the the, the man. kitchen fairy. Yes, the kitchen fairy. Every night I wake up and look down my plug hole and the kitchen fairy has failed me again and not installed a garbage disposal. I say curse you, kitchen fairy, and your weak promises. (laughs) But every day I live in faith and as I go to bed I think, tonight will be the night that the kitchen fairy visits and installs a garbage disposal (laughs) for me. And I go to sleep happy and hopeful, Mm -hmm. waking up. I tiptoe downstairs in intense anticipation. I walk into the kitchen and full brimming with faith, I glance at the plug hole and see that the bloody kitchen fairy has failed again. And that is how I live my life in a constant cycle of hope and despair. I'm so sorry, Nick. I didn't realise and and I feel bad for all the times I've ever been cross with you. (sighs) You don't ever have your kitchen fairy let you down, do you? Well, I haven't ever wished for a garbage disposal unit, so at the moment... Well... I do have... There is a pants pants fairy in our house who will take our... Take my dirty pants and socks. And they and are very dirty. Them. They're very, very dirty. Yes. Clean them, and then return them dry into my into my drawer. So when I open the drawer, the pants fairy's been 
mean? Yeah. That's the very... Uh, are you sure that the pad fairy isn't also the ding-dong? <laughs> it, there there could be an association. You should do a scientific study to see if there's any correlation between the ding-dong lady and the pant fairy you may find that they share similar um identificatory properties are you are you saying that laura's a fairy you may be married to the famous pant fairy to a fae to fae kind to think that the pant fairy comes from the midlands Actually, that's where the pant fairy would come from. You know, Tinkerbell or wherever it can come from, some enchanted en- enchanted castle far away. <laughs> but the pant fairy would come from Solihull. Uh, that seems fair enough. Solihull fairies. Uh, uh, the, the, what was the topic today again? Yes, yeah, so what is the topic? We haven't, what are we not discussing? Um, I suggested one. I've forgotten it now. Have <laughs> you? So what, what was it? I can't remember. It was okay. It was it. It was okay. It made me laugh. It was a thing about something. I know. Let's not discuss that. Pinterest is out of beta. Yeah, actually, let's not discuss that because I, yeah. I, I won't discuss this out of beta. But can you tell me what Pinterest is? Because I've no, I have no I'm, idea. Yeah, exactly. I'm at that stage now where all these new wacky domain named projects leave me dry and husky. Oh, apparently, it's an image based social networking service. Just what I always wanted. In these days where Assad is killing all his people and the, and the uh, kitchen fairy is not installing garbage disposals, mm-hmm. do you really need an image-based social networking service? Maybe that's just the thing we need. Maybe that will bring the world together and allow everybody to have a garbage disposal. I wish the pneumatic drill man using fairy would come and murder him. It's funny, you can't hear it too badly. It's really? I can, muffled I can by hear it extremely badly. <laughs> yes. Are you happy that we've landed a truck on Mars? I'm really happy. I, keep, have, I opened that image of the sunset that they released, and I haven't been able to close the tab down. It's just it's kind of amazing just to see it. George Coxcomb says it's boring and beige. <laughs> He's ruled. It's something. It's something really interesting about... Uh, just seeing our sun on the horizon of that planet. Something very yes. connecting about that. Yes. Uh, it, what's interesting about the picture is it's both very familiar and very alienating at the identical nanosecond. And that's why it causes cognitive dissonance. Because you're mm. there, you think, oh, look, there's a bit of a dusty place. We've all visited, you know, parts of Colorado that look like that. And you say, but, but that's on a, on a different world. And it makes the world feel... And at the same time, as you say, it also makes the world feel accessible. Mm. You know, Mars is a big red planet where Arnold Schwarzenegger's head blows up is mm. one thing. But this is like, oh, that's just a rocky terrain. I've seen rocky terrains. I haven't been to Colorado, but I've seen rocky terrains. And yeah, and you, and you think you could just sort of, well, you know, pop out there for a day trip. Yeah. But then you realise, no, no, that's a different world. Is that ever going to happen? That's not that's not somewhere you get to via easy jet. <laughs> but will it ever be easy space jet? No. Because that, that's it's so obviously I mean a Mars trip is extremely long and and, and difficult. But say um, 
interstellar travel. I know Virgin are pr- mucking around with it and getting nowhere. No, 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 All John Virgin. Are professing, no, pro- no, are suggesting they'll do this, but no, is that ever going to happen? Am are you? Am I being muted again? Because I've kept saying no. Yeah, you are being muted. Even but it's, it's obviously a stupid fault of Skype. <sighs> You're so awful. What you said, Virgin are dabbling with interstellar travel. No, they're not. What's the whole Virgin space flight thing then? Do you know what stellar means? It's oh, I know. I you know, I don't mean they're flying between stars. You know, what I mean space travel. They're, they're barely flying, flying out of our atmosphere, for God's sake. Yeah, I know. It's just that's just a roller coaster ride. I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of annoying. It's a rich man's amusement park ride. If Virgin commercialised trips to the moon or Mars, get back to me. So, uh, do, do you not think the fuel costs alone and the cost, you know, the fact that we're running out of everything that you need to make spaceships and, and fly in them is an issue? Well, yes, it is an issue. Um, and if you take the consular view of things, we are ending that sort of heroic endeavour in human pursuit about now. That's it. We're in the last gasps of that and we'll never, ever, ever be able to do it again because it's not like we can ever just regroup our efforts we don't have anything with which to regroup i think i i think the ideology of nasa is is something i never really understood and I'm just beginning to get to grips with this idea that it's something that is about doing stuff for no greater purpose than because it's cool hmm well yes well it was designed initially of course to allow the Cold War to play itself out in a more measured and interesting way than blowing one another up. And then it lost its purpose and it lost most of its funding, but it still has the tail end of that, which uh, Obama is quickly getting rid of. Most of those people you saw in the JPL who were cheering once uh, the uh, probe, not only the probe bus, but the truck landed, uh, will be fired because they're losing their jobs because its budget is being cut again. Oh, sad. So this is the end, really. This is not the beginning. This is the end. What China get up to, I guess we'll see. But again, I'm not overly confident that China will have the resources to do it. I don't think anybody will have the resources. As we've said before, unless we find very cheap, very efficient power, possibly, and probably fusion soon, all our quixotic and heroic endeavours are ending and we're just going to revert to some sort of paleolithic lifestyle (laughs) that took a real harsh left turn at the end there well that's the implication if we don't find a replacement for oil then that's where we're going that's the end of it very interesting i don't necessarily know if we'll go to a paleolithic lifestyle but we will go have to reinvent how humanity exists certainly no we'll we'll go to a paleolithic lifestyle because we cannot sustain any of the infrastructures that we have at the moment it's not like we'll be reverting to a medieval time or we'll be reverting to a kind of um victorian time where you know we've still got wrought iron railings and a civil society i think things will go pretty mad max so you think that there'll just be a complete social breakdown uh, leading to enormous catastrophic war and then the results will be so devastating that we'll be back to the basics. Yes. That sounds argue good. Against, argue against that. Interesting. So I've been for Ar- two runs this week. 
Why? Oh god, Nick, I can't, if you're speaking, I can't hear you. I know, this is not viable. Well, what's happening is that the pneumatic drill has now got even louder. The bastard has got even closer, and that volume is, is louder than you, and therefore Skype's cutting you out. I have no such problem. You're going to have to talk louder, it's the only option. Well, I won't. So why did you go on runs? Um, because I'm going to die of fatness if I don't do something. I've told you what to do, but you don't do it properly. You just cheat all the time. Um, why do? Why have you decided to go running? You've always said that you don't have the body for it, and your knees are bad, and you're too heavy, and this, you've made constant excuses not to do it, and now suddenly you've done it without consulting me. Because Laura made me. Ding dong! Made you do it? Mm-hmm. How have they been? Horrific, I hope. They were... Yeah, the first one was just horrendous, and the second one was slightly less horrendous. Uh, they should be horrendous about now, um, uh, but they'll get better, and you won't believe they'll get better to the degree that they will get better until one day you suddenly realise you've run five miles and you haven't noticed. It's uh, We're doing the couch to 5k thing, which is obviously so very trendy at the moment. I'm glad that wasn't around when I started. Why is that? I hate doing trendy things like that. I like to just get on with it in a slightly bumbling way. Well, so it's good, though, because it provides structure, which is, I think, something that I need. Well, what does it do? I assume it just does the usual run, run for 30 seconds, walk for 30 seconds, run for 30 seconds, then you slowly decrease the amount of time you walk for, yeah? It is like it's uh, run for a minute, walk for 90 seconds for the first three times. And over what distance initially? Uh, I have no idea. Um, it's because it's done by time, so you're out for half an hour. Okay. And is there any definition of what run means? Uh, no, it doesn't. Well, I'm, Laura, it's Laura, an app on Laura's iPhone. It just tells us, you know, you do a five-minute brisk walk, and then you do a minute's run, 90 seconds walk, minute's run, and then it will obviously start decreasing that 90 seconds quite significantly soon. Um and then you do five minutes walk at the end and it's beyond exhausting and I come back feeling like death because I weigh an awful lot and there's a lot to run no that's not why you come back feeling like death uh it's not because you weigh a lot it's because you're very very cardiovascularly unfit and there's a difference I was just being lazy and saying fat instead no no but that's that's very important to realize there are people who weigh as much as you because of the muscle they have on them and they don't feel terribly exhausted when they run for 30 seconds and then stop and then run for 30 seconds and stop. Uh, so the reason that you can't run is not because you're fat, it's because you're unfit. And I think it's important to realise that because there is a difference. You can't just say, oh, well, because I'm heavy, I'm always going to find running a problem. No, not at all. Because you're heavy, you'll become fitter more quickly because your body will have to adapt more quickly to carry more mass. Yeah. Well, anyway, so at the moment, um, we've done two of them. We're due to do another one today. And it hurts an enormous amount, but I'm doing it. When you say it hurts, what do you mean? Um, it hurts the lo- small of my back, and it hurts uh, my stit, the stitch I get in my side. And it hurts because I'm extremely tired at the end. Okay, the stitch is fine. The, that, that'll go away. Um, small of your back could mean that your form is rubbish. Um and being very tired is fine initially. Yes, I know. 
your 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 body is very very angry that you're putting it through this at the moment and is requesting that you stop eventually it will realize that you mean business and say all right then i'll adapt <laughs> i'm inter- i'm surprised by how little aching there is the next day i thought that would be a lot worse no it, it well, as you run longer distances initially there will be now it doesn't matter pretty much how long i run i don't feel it the next day at all ever I feel that when I do weights sometimes now, but running, I, I, I wouldn't know what distance I ran the day before if I'd forgotten. So that goes away. Do you feel any endorphin rush when you're sitting on the sofa half an hour later? God, no, not at all. You see, the fact that you don't feel any calmness, that it doesn't make you calm, suggests you're not even at that level yet, which is interesting. Well, it just I go out and I do it and I just get exponentially angry as I as I do it because everything hurts and I don't want it to be happening. And I get back yeah. and I have a shower and then I just carry on and I forget that it happened. Okay, I predict that over the next couple of weeks that will change and you'll suddenly realise, perhaps without even noticing it initially, that you're a lot calmer about half an hour after you return. I'm certainly calmer than when I'm running because it's hard to be less calm than the anger I feel at the universe. <laughs> I'm running and I'm like, everything hurts and, and it's awful. Yeah, it's that's awful. fine. Like, it's awful. No one should ever have thought of running. You should only run when you're being chased by a monster. I agree, but the problem is we've run out of monsters to chase us, so we have to invent them. Um, what about your breathing and your general... What is your, do, you ever feel, do you feel tight in the chest at all? Do you get any of that sort of... Slight, I'm going to have a heart attack feeling. No, not at all. You see, you're right. I, I got that sort of thing sometimes when I first started, so it sounds like you're doing better than I am. It was a, an almost wheezy, asthmatic sort of feeling, which I would get initially. Oh, no, fact, I thought I would. And I certainly, if I, if I have to sprint for something, I certainly am like that for about four or five days straight afterward. Yeah. Um, well, it's but a, no, I, I, I think my lung capacity has always been, I'm very proud to say, and sorry for boasting, but my lung capacity has always been exemplary. Well, it sounds to me like you'll do okay. I think that within a few weeks you'll be fine. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, when, we, when I come up to Bath to do the recording next week, we'll, we'll go for a little jog together and see how no, it works. No, we right? absolutely flat out will not, because you will be horrendous to me in every imaginable way. I'm always very kind and considerate with you. When I'm considering your deficiencies, aren't I? <laughs> yes, Nick, you're you're, you're the um, Florence Nightingale of weight loss. I am. I draw pie charts at how bad you are at it. <laughs> yeah. And tell me I'm going to kill a horse. Mm. Have you been um, enjoying watching sports that you've never seen before? I am so very much. Did you know that Judge Coxcomb went to the, um, the men's, men's volleyball. beach volleyball last night and he enjoyed it a lot. He was singing and dancing and congering away and he came back saying he felt a lot of goodwill to people, which, of course, for the judge is very unusual. This is true. Although I do wonder how much of that was motivated by the same reason that uh, Judith wanted to watch it, that she wanted to see the men in their pants. <laughs> yes, Judith did say that. <laughs> see, we changed the channel and she said, no, I want to watch the men in their pants. And I can only assume that Martin said the very same thing. <laughs> yes. Um, what other cliches have come out about the Olympics since we last recorded? Um, when they say that all the volunteers are amazingly helpful and friendly, I'm afraid to tell you they're correct. 
Um, oh, I don't no. know. I, I don't know what magical pixie dust they've managed to throw on some surly British people, but we were having Florida-level customer service happiness here. Um, and OK, it's for a very special event, so they feel, feel special about it. But still, you never thought that the Brits would be able to smile and be engaging whilst Gosh. directing somebody to a train. Are you sure they're not all Australian uh, students? Maybe, and they just taught them how to put on an estuary accent. That must be what it was. Have, what's, what's, when you're inside the the, um, the Megadome, what's mm-hmm. the prices like? Of like, how much does it cost to buy a Pepsi, for instance? I don't know. I didn't buy a Pepsi, but a, a cup of tea was one pound eighty, I think. Oh, that's disappointing. I mean, obviously, any time you buy tea, you're being ripped off. But I, I pretty much Starbucks prices. Um, the uh i think a, a curry and rice and whatever was five pounds you know something like that. it's just like it, it was pretty sort of like sli- slightly higher end chain prices i guess festival um, prices yeah pretty much festival prices i mean the the one thing that they have done everywhere has worked very smoothly and when i've ever gone in you know security is uh, i've had never had a delay of more than one person in front of me kind of thing and the army are obviously far better at running security desk than um, <laughs> 4GS would have been. And they're also the squaddies are very friendly and quite excited to be there, which is nice. But the only thing where there is a queue is at the food stalls. I think they underestimated the number of people who would want food inside. I think they assumed more people would bring packed lunches than right. did so. Um, that's the only queue. And of course, once you get there, they're very proud only to take visa. <laughs> has anyone actually tested it has anyone put a mastercard into the atm to see if it really just reject does reject it i think what would happen at that point is that it would electrocute you and sebastian co would come and swoop down like a big bat and throw you out of the park i think at that point all the stepford volunteers would suddenly look up yes. and, and uh and rush you out the stadium and they'd grow beaks and peck you <laughs> yes I mean, the Olympic Park itself as a park is huge. It's not just the stadium. That's what's interesting. I mean, it, it takes about, to, to walk from one end to another would take about 40, 45 minutes. Um, it's very, wow. very large parkland. And there are lots of the wild flower meadows and there's a river and there's a place with a bandstand and a park where people can sit and watch the big screen and there's sculptures and little venues and things like that. So it's, it's a very, very, very big place to explore and I do hope that they don't just let it go to seed once mm. the event ends, as they so often do at these places. I think, as far as I know, uh, Athens is ruined, but then Athens has bigger problems. Yeah. Mm. Talking of that big screen, um, one thing I would like to see in the Olympics is the BBC stop thinking it's important to show us the reaction of the crowd sat on a hill. Really? Is, is, is the crowd on the hill not an important part of your celebration of the events i'm i'm already so sick and tired of this ludicrous attribution of successive athletes to the crowd in every single case now i have i've seen in the in the running in the in the megadome when Mm. the crowd really starts roaring i can see how that makes uh, a runner go oh my goodness actually what what if i put some more effort in and, and that does seem to have a mm. have a, a, a reaction. But they're saying it for absolutely every single event in sport. They're saying, oh, without the crowd, 
It's not just the athletes being polite, it's the commentators. Oh, without the crowd. Blah, blah. Just shut up about the bloody crowd. It's the athletic achievement. Can we recognise them for that? Who are the best athletes? I think the gymnasts are. Why? I've, I don't know if I've said this before. Um, I've said, I mean, I have said this before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast. But when I look at somebody like Usain Bolt, who is the obvious choice, that sort of person... He can run 100 metres much, 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 much faster than I could ever imagine myself running it, even if I were perfect, which, believe it or not, I'm not. What? However, I know what it is to run, and I know what it is to run fast. And I can extrapolate. I can draw a graph. I can say, if my legs moved that much more quickly over that distance, I would then be Usain Bolt. Similarly with swimming. I know what it is to swim badly. If I improved my crawl exponentially and didn't get ridiculously tired and panicky in a pool, I know how I would be able to do what Michael Phelps does. However, when I see the bendy men and ladies do their jumping things on those big boxes and rings and stuff, that's technically what it's called, (laughs) I just have no imagination or conception how I would get my body to flip backwards three times in the air fall down on my two feet and then do the splits. It's just, no, no, impossible. It doesn't work. <laughs> or, or, or on the rings where they, these rings want to flap you like a spatchcock chicken from side to side. And yet you have to keep yourself rigid and then do hoop the loops and headstands and things like that. You think, no, that's not how the laws of physics work. <laughs> The strength for the rings, the strength is absolutely phenomenal. You're, you're fighting two big rubber bands that want to pull you apart, whilst also trying to stand on your arms in the air. And that's... Is, I don't think I can... I don't, that's something I'm not I can't certain imagine. I could do it. I'm not certain you could. Have you ever actually done gymnastics at school, things, I, even trampolines and things like that? I used to do uh, gymnastics on a Saturday morning I was the only boy in the whole group which uh, may sound pathetic but actually it was great because there were great girls there hmm. um, yes. so I used to do yeah, Saturday morning gymnastics when I was a kid and I was quite good at it why didn't you continue? because I started doing badminton instead on Saturday mornings and mm. I was quite good at that too, I played for Guildford for a while for you know under millions under 12 or something yes I uh, <laughs> Another thing that I quite enjoy is the trampolining, simply because they jump and they jump and then suddenly they're at the height of a five-storey building. And if they miss time or misjudge their tumble, then instead of falling onto a nice, springy, energy-absorbing base, they'll be falling onto the floor and dying. See, now, I have a problem. For the same reason I don't get any pleasure from watching a high-wire act with no, tra- with no safety net, I struggle with the same with things like the trampolining and... Um, just the beam oh the beam because it's just about watching someone very nearly almost breaking all their bones and i don't really get much enjoyment from that but that's what's significant about it isn't it's not just oh well you misjudge your your trampoline or your beams and then you'll you'll be disqualified no you you if if you are if you fell from the height of the top trampoline jump and you tumbled just a foot or two to the left and they didn't catch you on their special pad, then it would be like you committing suicide by jumping off a building onto a concrete pavement. You'd die. Well, Laura used to um, trampoline for, when she was at the University of Bath. Um, she used to be on their team. And mm. there was a, she once saw a guy from the full height f- 
uh, fall so far out that he missed not only the side of the trampoline and also the crash bits around it, but landed flat on the floor. And um, all he did was break his nose, nothing else. That's very lucky. He obviously wasn't at the five-storey height that he could have been. I mean, she, she must have thought that he was a little bit dead initially. Yes, she assumed that she just watched a guy kill himself. Um, mm. And it was extraordinary how somehow it was kind of didn't really make sense why he didn't crumple every bone in his body, apparently. Unbelievable, yeah. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I've enjoyed watching gymnastics and I may, I, I, I may actually go and watch it live at some stage, assuming that there are any more of those sorts of things in the United Kingdom when the Olympics aren't on. I think, um, from remembering and watching it in my childhood, I think they regularly have various championships in, in the UK. Yeah, I may watch that. Also, another terrifying thing that I couldn't do, and this is not because I couldn't imagine myself doing it in a kind of vector physics sense, but simply psychologically, I couldn't bring myself to do it, is those 10-metre um, diving. Yes. And, you know, they climb up to the top of a very high building, stand on their tiptoes, on the edge of that building and then fall backwards and hope that they have the right angle not to break every bone in their body but rather to plunge like a missile into the water. Have you ever jumped off a top diving board like that? I wouldn't be able to get the courage to climb up the ladder to the top diving board. I used to do it. Guildford Swimming Pool um, that no longer exists is now an Odeon. Um, When I was a kid had had an Olympic diving pool uh, just next to, you know, and you could just go play in it. And so it had the top, the giant top concrete 10 metre board. And I used to jump off it all the time as a kid and had no problems with it at all. Um, and at one, one point as a teenager, I got up there and I just froze. And the only way I was able to jump off was when an Australian lifeguard started taking the piss out of me in front of everyone. That's the Australian technique, isn't it? Hmm. I mean, what did you, how high was it? Was it? 10 metres, was it? Yeah, the 10, it was the same, same height as those. It was an Olympic diving pool. For some reason, it was just on the side of this, uh, the, the, the standard municipal swimming pool. And you jumped in. Uh, did you actually do a dive, or was it just jump off the side? Oh, and... no, I only ever jumped foot first. To, to dive would have been far too scary. Because the diving is the bit, uh, you know, even jumping would be scary, but diving, forget it. It then had the. They also had the other two springboards. You know, the the three meter and the one mm-hmm. slightly higher. And I used to play. I used to dive off the spring. The, those ones. I think I even. I think I. We used to go there and play all the time. I certainly could backward dive off the side of the pool into the water. I'm not sure if I've ever had the guts to do it off a springboard. No. And did you have a belly flop? Yes, I remember belly flopping very hard one time. It surprises you how much it hurts because you it's think horrendous. water is your it's awful. you think water is your soft luscious friend but then it suddenly turns into concrete <laughs> yes how dare it how dare it start yeah. acting like a non-newtonian liquid all of a sudden it's uh, uh, and it really really hurts now did you see the footage of the german who went from the 10 meters and he fell into the water on his back yes i did now anybody who's ever belly flopped really commiserates with him at that point don't they and that ghastly uh, commentator on the bbc just laughed when that happened which i thought was you know pretty special no like you can't laugh that's awful i mean it really is dangerous stuff and lucky he, i assume he didn't damage himself too severely no but... he seemed to be fine however but... every time i do watch the diving i have to go and um go and watch the clip from the day to day with the oh, commentating on the man who clips his head on the board he says, oh, yes, they actually had 
that diver in one of the uh, Olympic chat shows and they showed it to him. Oh, no way. And he said at the time he was just annoyed with himself that he screwed up the uh, the dive and he suddenly realised that there was blood coming off and so on. <laughs> and bangs his head on the board. Lovely. The judges Textbook. will surely rate yes. That was very good. Have, have My you favourite watched... thing about the... Sorry, go on. Have you watched synchronised swimming? No, I haven't seen any... I've seen synchronised diving, but no synchronised swimming. See, people make fun of synchronised swimming, but actually um, they're not allowed to touch the bottom of the pool, but they have to give the illusion that they are dancing on the top of the pool so there's this frantic treading mm. to keep themselves level and so on and they can then be underwater while they're doing their legs in the air thing for over a minute while spinning around and keeping in sync i think it's a it looks like a highly skilled highly athletic sport but because it has ladies in leotard well not leotards it's sparkly <laughs> costumes um people make fun of it oh yeah it's I, extraordinary skill but um, you know it, i i would watch it if i were you i think there's still some on today it's was an enjoyable watch. Some of the, and also what's interesting is to see some of the different routines are very different to the others. There was a very, very kind of sharp moving, kind of almost like, you know, like the walk like an Egyptian movements in the water. Very, very brisk, quick change movements. Others were more fluid and so on. So I quite like sports where you're allowed to express some sort of creativity. And to a degree, you can do that in athletics. To a degree, you can do that in, um, obviously, synchronized swimming. Uh, and it seems Usain Bolt is telling us to a degree you can do that in sprinting as well. What with his, um, you know, turning around, doing a little dance, waving, cooking dinner <laughs> and so on before he reaches the end, of the, the finish line. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't his, like him. I loved his first qualifi- qualification round, round the, the, uh, the first run he did for 100 metres, where he just, um, he just kind of sauntered. He just thought, I'll go for a jog and still wins. Yes, well, you know, oh, have, a look at the, have a look at the scenery. Yeah. Did he win the 200 metres yesterday, didn't he? Yes, he did. Oh, good. And he, just, he, he, decided, he, said he, he then said he was the best athlete who'd ever lived. <laughs> good. He good told everybody. Him. I mean, and let me put it this way. Usain, Usain Bolt very, very carefully follows our no false modesty rule, John. Cool. Uh, so what happened, Nick? Were you raptured? I was raptured, went up, decided that it was a bit dull. Uh, had a word with the kitchen fairy. Uh, promises <laughs> me that now that the Messiah's come, I will tomorrow morning receive my garbage disposal. Fantastic, fantastic. I wanted to say very quickly that the other great underwater sport is, of course, uh, water polo, where all they do underwater is fight because the referees can't see. Yes. And that um, the best sports of all is handball. And I really wish handball could become a sport in this country so I could watch it more often. What? The end. What is handball? It's like basketball with your hands and football and hands, but with a bit more like other stuff. You should watch it. It's on the Olympics. It's great. My sister's here with my niece and nephew. I need to go. Tell them they're not welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, will do. (laughs) Bye-bye, Nick.